Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. Whether we've been in church for a long time or are exploring the faith, Jesus sometimes calls us to move in a new direction, even when we think we are already headed in the right one. Building on our conversation about values from last week, what does that mean for our lives, our church, and our world as we refocus on that which God is calling us to? This week's message of the week comes from Pastor Bryce Blank, who shares from Acts 9, the story of Saul's blindness, and what a redirect in our lives could look like. Here is the First Church message of the week. All right, so if you've been with us the last four weeks, you'll know that this is our fourth time getting to watch that cool little rocket launch up into the air. And so I thought it'd be appropriate to use an example this week in, uh, in the sermon that it deals with a rocket launching into the air. And you may know about this uh, event that happened. You may have experienced it. You may have seen a movie about it. But let me share a little bit. On April 11th, 1970, the crew of the NASA space mission, Apollo 13, launched into space. And their goal was to be the third crew to land on the moon. And when they got there, they were gonna continue research and experiments that had happened before, and they were gonna explore new areas of the moon that hadn't been explored yet. And the spacecraft that they traveled in was made up of two different modules put together. And so the first module, which was known as the Odyssey, was a service and command module. This is the module that they were in at the beginning of their takeoff and would spend the majority of their uh, space flight in this uh, module. And the second part was called Aquarius, and this was a lunar module, which basically detached when they got close enough to the moon, and this lunar module went down, and that's what they took to land on the surface of the moon. And... Unfortunately, if you know this story, you know that the Apollo 13 crew and its mission did not go as planned. That two days in to their travels, the oxygen tanks on the command module, which they were in, exploded. And the astronauts were forced then to move into the lunar module, which was, there was three astronauts, and this lunar module was only meant for two people to go to the moon for a limited amount of time. And so they were forced to move to this second smaller module or part of the spacecraft and overcome many challenges, many maneuvers to get themselves back to Earth. And while there was a lot of danger involved, they had to change everything. They did just enough to get back to Earth safely. And the danger that this Apollo 13 crew experienced uh, was one that they were able to overcome. And as we know from uh, our experience with spacecraft, with NASA, that not all astronauts have been as lucky to make it back safely. There is a very real danger with space travel. And so as we dive into our scripture today, as we get ready to launch, as our sermon series suggests, in this new season of life, we have to consider the breadth of possibility before us. Would you be ready to launch knowing that you could have a life-threatening experience like those on the Apollo 13 crew? Furthermore, would you be ready to launch if you knew that you were about to enter into danger disaster even, and that you would come this close 
losing your life. It makes us reconsider if we are ready to go where God is calling us. And so this is the last week in our Ready to Launch sermon series. And over the last several weeks, we have explored what it means to follow Christ. We've approached this new season that we're in with an attitude of reset. What does it mean to reset? Remembering who we are and whose we are. What does it mean to pause and reset our purpose? Spending time to understand God's call and God's purpose rather than our own. And what does it mean to reset our values, centering on God's spirit and following God's direction rather than what the world tells us? Well, today we further our questioning and we seek to discover what it means to reset and to change direction. And for guidance on this question, we look no further than the Apostle Paul, a follower of Jesus Christ and a man who had to reset and change direction. And so our scripture today comes from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 15. You can follow along on the screen. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, man or woman, he would bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he asked, who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. Now the men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard a voice, but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go. To the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias. Come in and lay hands on him, so that he might regain sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chiefs, from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is an instrument who I have chosen to bring my name for Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. This is the word of God heard today. Amen. So as we read in our scripture about Paul, or at this time known as Saul, we see that he is a persecutor of Christians, that he's a man who has threatened and even murdered those who follow Christ. And Paul is a a very religious person. He takes his devotion to God very seriously. And as a Jew, he saw Jesus 
and those who followed Jesus as being anti-God at the time, as people who are leading others away from God and God's teachings. Now, all around, Paul is known for his intensity and for persecution of Christians. He has built up kind of a reputation that forced many to be in fear of their lives. In terms of his commitment to God, Paul is second to none. He's a person of action who doesn't waste time. He gets out there and he does what has to be done. But despite this kind of hot-tempered, devoted picture of a man we have, we also know that Paul is a very deep thinker. He is one who, took, who takes his faith very seriously. And as one who takes his faith seriously, he has considered the cost of what it means to follow God. He understands the trials and the challenges that life will present, and he knows that it means he might have to live his life differently than others do. But despite as a fierce and devoted of a man that Paul is, his life changed in an instant. His life turns around. And as we see, Paul, then known as Saul, was blindly was blinded and put to his knees. And God speaks to him. Jesus speaks to him directly. And it isn't until three days later that he's able to finally see again. And we read that he didn't even eat or drink during that time. And what resulted after those three days was a complete transformation, a complete 360 of the identity and the person that Paul was. The path that Paul had been going down was a completely different direction than where God was guiding him. He had a reset of direction. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a bit skeptical when I read over this instant transformation at first. That over the course of only three days, Paul could make such a drastic change. Because I feel that most Christians don't experience God's power with the same intensity or receive the Holy Spirit's call and voice in this, with the same clarity as we read about here in Acts. In our world today, it's a commonly held belief that people don't just change overnight. You may have heard that before. People don't just change overnight. And that those who claim to have a change on their life, they can't really keep that, that new life for the long haul. Rarely do we see someone truly change, turn from one life towards a new one. And too often we hear from our world that, that we can't change our own lives, that we can't escape our roots or the trauma of our childhood. We can't get away from the lifestyle that we have been living or the choices we've made when we're younger. Maybe some of you have personally experienced this yourselves. Have any of you tried to even change a small aspect of your life? Have you tried to start something new, whether it be a new diet or a new exercise program? Maybe you tried to change a bad habit that you have, uh, like spending too much time in front of the TV or too much time on social media or you know, too much time being wasted doing things that aren't productive. Maybe you've tried to have more patience with someone who really gets on your nerves, or you've tried to get up earlier or stop staying up so late. Maybe you're a habitual procrastinator and you've tried to stop holding off on things. Whatever it is, whatever you have maybe tried to change or would like to try and change in your life, I'm sure we can all think of a time where we wanted to make a change in the way we behave or the way we've acted. 
We try to change something in our lives for ourselves and also for those around us. But as surely as I know you've probably all tried to change something, you probably have all experienced how quickly that hasn't really worked out for you. How that diet you tried to change didn't work out as soon as you came into contact with your, of course, favorite food. Or where you wanted to go to the gym and work out and get into this exercise routine, but you realize that you haven't even been to a gym once yet. Or maybe you wanted to stop spending so much time in front of the TV and then two days later you are staring at your phone or the TV or your computer and you realize, I'm doing exactly what I didn't want to do. Whatever it is, the point is, is that personal change is hard. And our experience has shown us that it's at times almost impossible to do. And that it certainly doesn't happen just overnight like we would hope it could. Therefore, when we read about this sudden transformation that Paul has, I think it's okay for us to feel a little skeptical. To, and that even if we do believe that this change is real, that it leaves us being faced with a somewhat hopeless question. That if Paul could be changed in an instant so quickly, why do we not experience such sudden change that we wish like Paul did? Why can't our lives be completely turned around in a flash like Paul's, leaving us completely going in a different direction? The truth is, I think that we feel often God doesn't work in our lives in direct ways like that anymore. And for us, if change is to occur, it does take a lot of time. It takes patience. It takes practice. It takes accountability. But it definitely doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. It's not something that can happen quickly. It's a gradual process of struggling, of failing, and, and then finally maybe, maybe getting to the point where we want to be. We know that miracles like Paul's conversion to Christianity don't necessarily happen this day and age. Plants don't really bloom overnight, right? Why should we expect to bloom or change overnight? Well, we also do know, though, that people do change. Plants can't bloom overnight, yes, but people can change. People can turn their lives around. And there are people in your lives, maybe it's yourself, who has a clear before and after moment in your life. And if we look closer, we see that maybe this skepticism we have about Paul's conversion isn't giving Paul enough credit. And the change that we want for our lives that we think is impossible, maybe it doesn't give ourselves enough credit. And that both of those situations don't give God enough credit. When we look at Paul's first encounter with God on that road to Damascus, his initial responses are two questions. The first is, who are you, Lord? To which Jesus replies, identifying he is the one speaking. And Jesus says, get up and enter the city, and you will be told what to do. Now, the second question that Paul asks is, what am I to do, Lord? And as you look back on what we read earlier in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 15, you might be a little confused when I mentioned that second question. And that's because Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus is actually referenced two other times besides what we read today. 
one other time in Acts 22 and the other in Acts 26. And so the second question uh, that Paul asks is in that is in Acts 22. And it's important for us to include and consider and kind of know about because it gives us a better, a full rounded view of what happened on that road with Paul and how he responds. So that second question, what am I to do, Lord, comes from one of those accounts. And as we look at these questions that Paul asks, I don't see them as a response from someone who is really far away from God or who is incapable of following Jesus. But rather, it's someone else entirely. Because we see that Paul didn't just blow off that voice that he's hearing. He didn't just discard it right away. I mean, granted, he is being blinded and has a voice coming from somewhere that doesn't have a body, so that has some persuasion, right? But at the same time, he didn't just say, leave me alone. I know who you are, Jesus, and I don't care. I don't want to be part of that. Instead, he asked Jesus, what do you want me to do? How often do our changes, our interactions, when we seek change, how often do we approach those asking that question? God, what do you want me to do? I think this question is key to God moving in Paul's life and to understand the essential aspect that that instant change that occurs in Paul. That turns Paul from someone who is a persecutor of faith and of all those who are Christians to being the biggest advocate for Jesus Christ. Well, as mentioned before, Paul had a willingness to follow God. His heart was open to listening for direction and then acting on it. And while it seems that Paul did kind of change overnight, when we look closer at his response that shows the character of Paul, we see that maybe that change didn't occur as quickly as we see. Now, you may resonate with the idea that things in life don't happen overnight, that they don't happen without preparation and change and aspects in our lives that can be put together. And I know that specifically for me as a preacher, I can't just walk up to a pulpit, read scripture, and then preach to you for 15, 20 minutes about something without a lot of preparation. There are pastors out there who can do that, and that's awesome, and they're great at it. That's definitely not mean you don't want to see me try because it's going to be a grueling, you know, however long I end up rambling around. So I definitely subscribe to the idea that without preparation, without putting time in and elements together to enact something, to enact some sort of change, to put something forward, something might fail. But Paul, we see, wasn't unprepared for that change that occurred. That despite following or despite working against Jesus up until this point in his life, he had qualities in him that God could use to draw him to Jesus. He had that desire to make the most out of life. He didn't waste time, but instead went out there and got things done. And also, Paul had witnessed Jesus already. He had already witnessed Jesus in the life of those he was persecuting, who showed who Jesus was. And Paul had been thinking about reconciling with and considering the costs of what it means to follow Jesus and then the trials that that entails. So for Paul, this change that we see in this account is sudden and unexpected and actually probably been happening under the surface 
for some time. Like an orchestra that is all out of sync and they're trying to play, and they suddenly play together in perfect time. This is the individual, individual parts of Paul's life that came together, that aligned when he was called by God in his conversion experience to follow Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm caught up with two different opposing viewpoints then. That when I think about Paul's conversion, I struggle with two realities that God presents us. The first is what we already talked about. The idea of our personal experience showing us that real change takes time, preparation, and elements aligning towards a common goal. In the case of Paul, his goal was Jesus, and the characteristics needed to be an apostle had already been cultivated while he was persecuting other Christians. But this gradual change starkly contrasts, for me, the power of God. That is, the power of God to pull off an instant conversion in Paul, the power of God to perform miracles, the power of God that we have been faced with, and the hope that God can do anything. We see over and over throughout the Gospels that Jesus performs miracles right there on the spot, that God's power had the ability to heal sickness, to cast out demons, to bring the, ba- the dead back to life in just a matter of moments. And so I'm stuck on the idea that gradual change, or the gradual change doesn't have to be gradual. That real change doesn't have to mean all these elements line up for us to change our lives. We just spent the last three weeks, and now this is week four, exploring an invitation to reset our lives around God. Why does it take three or four weeks to talk about this topic? Why does it take time? Why do we have to go in depth over the thought of resetting towards God, of bringing about a change in our lives? Why do we even have to be ready to launch, to be ready to change? Well, let's take a look at the Apollo 13 astronauts because I think they help us deal with this tension between gradual change and instant change through the power of God. When their oxygen tanks on the spacecraft they were in exploded, they knew right away that something wasn't quite right. They immediately started doing tests, they started doing calculations, and they observed what around them was unfolding and realized at an alarming rate that they were not in a good spot. The disaster was on the brink. Because first there was this kind of bang, they reported. There was a bang and then they lost connection and power, both to their command center down in Houston, but also within the aircraft or within the spacecraft. And so they thought, well, maybe that bang was just that our air tank, our oxygen tank needs to be cleared because that was kind of a routine, apparently a routine uh, thing that they had to do was clear out their tank. And so they did that. They cleared out the tank. And as it turned out, right after that, they started to see a cloud drifting away from their aircraft. And I guess if you're an astronaut and you see a cloud drifting away from your spaceship, that's cause for concern. It's the last thing you want to see. And so upon further investigation, they determined that their command module didn't have any oxygen anymore and that that's what you know, they needed to breathe. And so they would have to seal off that part of the aircraft and move towards that smaller lunar module if they wanted to survive. And it was in this moment, too, that they also realized their main goal to get to the moon was not going to be realized, that they no longer could get there safely. 
and that their new mission was simply to survive. Now we can see that the astronauts had to make instant decisions, an instant change in the direction of their lives and their mission. But we can also see from this experience that they had preparation, months of training that they had to go through to equip them to handle the changes that were occurring for the sake of their survival. So in this case, both instant and gradual change actually work together. Both realities are held in a healthy tension. And this is the final conclusion that I came to when I was struggling with our change that we see in Paul and the change we ask for in our lives. Because on one hand, we need to reset our spirituality and reset, recenter ourselves on God. We need to take a close look at our values and ask God to point our lives towards his purpose. We need to prepare. We need to do the small things to make gradual change that bring about big change in our life. But we also need to trust in the real power of God. We need to believe that change can occur instantly. We need to believe that God can and will work in amazing ways. That God can speak into us in a blinding light that will alter our reality as we know it. And by putting in the work, by putting ourselves in a place to be used by God, the direction of our lives, like Paul's, can be changed toward where God is calling. So as we finished up our scripture, we, we see that the ending has this account about Ananias, and that Ananias was visited by Jesus in a vision. And he responds, here I am, God. And Jesus instructs Ananias, get up, which is the same word to use for Paul, get up and go to the street called Straight, and that at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. And Jesus goes on in this vision to instruct Ananias what to do. But notice those first two words, or those first three words, get up and go. This is what Paul was instructed, this is what Ananias was instructed, and this is our challenge. This is our instruction too, to get up and go. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to stand right now. Like Paul and Ananias, we are to get up and go. We are to act to bring about change. But that also means believing in the power of God, to do those little things to bring about smaller change in our lives, that bring about a bigger change for our life and the world. So I encourage you to leave here today focused, but also inspired by Paul's conversion. The astronauts on that Apollo mission had to use preparation to make a change, an instant change in the direction of their mission and therefore their lives. They did this not because it was the best practice for them at the time, not because it was theoretically the way to go about doing things. They did it because it was the only way for them to survive. It was the only way for the astronauts to live. And when we read in our scripture earlier, did you notice what they called Christians or the Christian movement? It was called the way. And it's not called Christianity. It's called the way for a reason. Because it's not one of the ways for Christians to live their lives. It's called the way because Jesus is the only way. 
to live. And so, First Church, I encourage you to get ready for God, to reset the direction of your life. Do the small things that will help you prepare for God's work and lean into the power that God can and will do amazing things in your life that you never thought possible. Following Jesus every day. Because this is the way. Amen. Please pray with me. Wonderful God of power who created all of us. You know our every thought, our every desire. You know what makes us each uniquely us. As we seek to follow Jesus, to follow your son, and to show your love in the world, we know that that means change for our lives, but we struggle with that. And so God, help us to bring about real change in our lives, to reset on you, to do the small things, but also to believe in the power that you can and will change our lives and our world in an instant. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information, like our church calendar, worship times, and upcoming events, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.